Magic is power. As always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing well. How, how, how are things over in uh, over in Boston, man? It's good. Uh, getting ready for the Thanksgiving feast. Actually, when this episode comes out, it's going to be Black Friday. It will be Black Friday. That's a, that's a day I don't believe in, for what it's <laughs> worth. I used to work in retail, and uh, I hate people who shop on Black Friday. You rip, you rip poor retail workers away from their families early or very late on Thanksgiving e- Thanksgiving night. And uh, you're terrible people for trying to buy cheap shit at five in the morning. <laughs> Who left the soapbox out? Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel very strongly about that. I, I hate Black Friday with a passion. There's nothing worse than having to go to work at 2 a.m. on the day after Thanksgiving. It's fucking awful. Just to see humans act terrible to each other. I agree with you, Pat. I agree with you. I, I didn't know I hit a vein. Oh, boy. You have no idea. You have no idea. Uh, also, joining us this week, we have Brian Cook. What's up, Brian? How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, Gerald and Pat. <laughs> so uh, I will always pronounce the T. I Pat, will always pronounce the T. So, Pat, I agree said- with you on Black Friday. Uh, I have never worked retail, personally. I worked some fast food in high school, but... If I do Black Friday shopping, it's 100% on Amazon. I never go to a retail store. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm all about the the online shopping for what it's worth. I just – man, I just don't like things like that. I, I don't like I don't like Black Friday. The whole thing is just stinks of ugh, like the worst parts of capitalism. <laughs> man, that late-stage capitalism <laughs> podcast will is a downer. <laughs> well, before we get into any more of this uh, we'll talk about Black Friday – I do want to thank uh, Hipster wow. the Coast <laughs> for bringing to you guys Leaving Legacy every Friday to your ears. Uh, also, uh, if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash legacy. I think Jerry finally found the mugs we're going to use for our uh, <laughs> for our Patreon rewards. And, <laughs> they uh, look sweet. They are. They are. It's a, it's a good. I feel like it's a good hybrid of what Jerry wants and what I want. If that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I really wanted that horn, Pat. That I feel like I can, horn. I can see myself drinking like a honey based mead out of this, you know, shirtless. <laughs> sure, yes, yeah, yeah. As as you're chopping wood, oh, of course, <laughs> of course. How else are you supposed to drink mead? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited for them. I'm going to reveal them on the group page once I, I uh, emailed the maker because uh, they're these custom made mugs uh, to ask some questions. So if it all works out, I'm excited for it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, all right, well, we usually start our week uh, by reviewing our previous week, our Week in Legacy. Jerry, did you get to play any Legacy last week? Uh, I didn't play Legacy, but I did play Magic. I know I've been super lame the last couple of weeks. I got to play the uh, uh, Arena preview, actually. Nice. Is this your first time being on it since uh, Hascon? Yeah, first time being on it since Hascon because I missed the first one, and then the second one they had a bunch of technical difficulties, and the codes they sent out to people didn't work. Oh, right, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But they actually made up for it by, like, the customer support person I talked to, like, they registered for me, they set everything up, so literally all I had to do was just open it on Sunday, and it worked. Um, and they gave each of us 72 booster packs in it. 
mm-hmm. um, to just like play around with. So uh, I ended up opening those up and uh, like seeing what I got. And I ended up making I, I opened two hostage takers. So, of course, I had to make a pirate stack. <laughs> Seems pretty good. <laughs> Question. Uh, are you able to draft with those packs or are they exclusively for opening? So draft feature is not available yet in the program. So like this is it's still super basic. Like they they had uh, like previews of things that were going to be there, but just didn't function. Like if you clicked on the link, it was just a dead link. Um, so they they definitely have a lot of features in them. What I did notice, though, is when I opened them, it's it was almost like a mix with a treasure chest because it was a booster pack. There are only cards in it, but there are only eight cards per pack. Weird. It was like a rare three uncommons and like uh, four commons. And they did the whole like hidden thing. So when you, you open a booster pack and it shows you your commons and uncommons, you can mouse over them. And then there's like a glowing card face down, like shimmering and like wiggling in the corner. And then you click on that and it's like the big reveal and you get uh, unplayable blue creature. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> like so much hype and expectation, which I think is sweet. Like it, it definitely felt very polished in a way that Magic Online is not. Yeah, yeah, I've been very, uh, very excited with what they've been showing with Arena. Again, it's, it's very, it's still very much like um, in the training wheels phase, uh, but they, I think they have all the pieces there to make a really cool uh, game. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm really uh, liking uh, when it comes out on beta. I think I'm gonna put a, put some time into it. Awesome. Um, just I also like being able to like I don't want to pay money for standard, but I do like messing around with the stuff. So well, like you just like playing magic, right? I mean, so. yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also it's free and it's they had every time you like win a match, you would get gold. And mm-hmm. it was like I think it was like you get 300 gold per match win. And then you could turn that like 2000 gold into another booster pack. Nice. So it goes uh, well the- with the pirates theme. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then they also had like achievements where uh, cast fifteen black spells and you get a booster pack. Yeah, that's very much like um like the way that Eternal works. I don't play Hearthstone, but I have played a bit of Eternal. And uh, yeah, you can basically like play as many drafts as you want on there as long as you're grinding enough games and other free to play like parts of the game. So it's mm-hmm. it's uh hopefully the economy for Magic on, for for uh, for Magic Arena is similar to that of Eternal because that's really fun. You don't have to put a diamond in the game, you can still pretty much get whatever you want out of the game, which yeah, is Yeah. Like that's what I'm hoping for. If it just comes out and it's just like a free to play magic game, um that would be awesome. Totally. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case though. I don't think so either. I think that's, you know, magical Christmas lands. I, but... I think well, I think it's going to be microtransactions, man. I really I really do. I don't think I mean, that would be the way to do it. Yeah. Honestly, like I think you, you it's been proven that you can create an extremely lucrative game by by having microtransactions like Hearthstone or like Eternal um, or Star Wars Battlefront 2 cough cough yeah <laughs> i don't see any reason why why they wouldn't follow the same because the thing with with arena is that you're never going to be able to redeem sets so it really doesn't matter how much is in the economy you don't have to regulate the economy as as harshly as you do on magic online yeah and like i'm sure wizards and especially hasbro wants to make a shit ton of money on this Mm-hmm. But even if they just kind of like break even or do a little bit well, just the fact that it'll be a great gateway to introduce people into magic and be like, oh, you like this version of the game? Why don't you come play a paper tournament and buy a bunch of booster packs in real life? Mm-hmm. Um, just being a way to like introduce people to the game from you know a new revenue source. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, and th- exactly it, right? Like it's a great way to introduce new players to the game and and graduate them to paper magic or magic online. Uh, for sure, yeah. I think it's. I think it's. A, they're in. A, they're going in a good direction with it for sure. 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, what about you, Brian? So, uh, not that anyone wants to hear this, but I've played Magic twice this week. I played a standard PPQ Saturday, and then tonight I played some Legacy. Uh, I played against Food Chain Round 1, Grixis Delver Round 2, Bug Delver Round 3. And I think the Bug Delver guy is pretty interesting because he plays a different deck each week. Last week he mm-hmm. played Mono White Soldiers with Main Deck Chalice. This week, oh, like Soldier Stompy. Yeah, man, I'm seeing oh, Mono White Soldiers like just popping up in the most random of places. Uh, it was a little interesting. He had Holy Lights in his deck, so I had to like mm-hmm. worry about Holy Light, which is an interesting card. And then round four, my opponent scooped to me that was playing Red Black Reanimator because I was paired down, so nothing too crazy. And uh, uh, what were you on, Bryant? Thalia's uh, <laughs> Epic Storm. Ah, uh, wouldn't have expected that <laughs> failure and lotus petal is just too strong too strong uh well we did have three pretty high profile legacy tournaments this weekend uh should we kind of dive into the results yeah let's uh, do it how, Sounds how do we want to tackle this do we want to look at all three across the board or do we want to take them one at a time i vote one at a time i think it's more digestible that way yeah, all right for sure uh, how about the open first? And this is the three man, uh, yeah, like the, the team open, right? Yeah. So it was, uh, standard modern and legacy teams of three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had Noah Walker taking it down, uh, with Dylan Donegan and Oliver, t- uh, two. I don't recognize those two names. They're both Oliver pretty two. big players. Yeah. They are. yeah. Are they, yeah. are they pr- mainly legacy players or mainly other formats? Oliver two is like a pro tour staple at this point. Mm-hmm. And D- Dylan Donegan is like, I want to say like 10 star city games, top eights between various formats. Yeah. I feel like I've also seen him finish really well in, in legacy formats as well. So nice. Uh, well, he was playing Grixis death shadow. So if I, if I feel if I was to make the transition to modern, that would be a deck I would definitely like just because of like the similarities between that play style and uh legacy play style mm-hmm. uh, with the same deck. Uh, and so Noah taking it down with four color control, no surprises. Um, you know, kind of in some previous episodes when we had, especially Lawrence and Min on, they were saying four color control has trouble, um, taking down largest events. Do you guys think, uh, it's, this is kind of indicative of the strength of the deck or more just that Noah Walker is such an excellent pilot, uh, pilot. I personally think it's some of A and some of B. If you follow online results, uh, four-color pile has been falling off a little bit, but here we see a very strong performance from a very good player, so I think a lot of it's in the skill of the pilot. I would I would also say that um, one of the nice things about these team events is that your teammates can definitely carry you if you hit a bad matchup. Um, so you don't have to win. You don't have to win every single round and when you're part mm-hmm. of a team of three to, to have a, a successful tournament. So I don't know what his ex- like individual... Like win loss record was throughout the tournament, um, or what he even played against. To be honest with you, I didn't get a chance to watch it at all. Uh, but I'd be interested to see those numbers if if they're available. Uh, can we skip ahead for a second because it's somewhat on topic? So yeah, yeah. I don't know if either are you you two are friends with Jarvis Hugh, but he posted his team's uh, record over the weekend, and Jarvis wow. finished all fifteen of his rounds, and so did the modern player. And their standard player, I want to say, only finished five or six rounds. It wasn't a whole lot compared to the other two. Wow. 
Damn. On Teamer Energy, too, which is a pretty... I mean, that's a fairly grindy deck. Back to Legacy. Uh, in second and third, we see two lands players, uh, the aforementioned Jarvis Yu and Kevin King, uh, both uh, top eighting with lands. Uh, I feel like we haven't seen lands pop up that often in uh, in top eights in the last couple major events. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the, I don't think the deck's necessarily fallen off. Didn't it just top eight? Uh, was it in Atlanta? Or no, maybe, maybe it was in Atlanta. Yeah, I just yeah, feel, I guess, but that, I guess that was back in in July, so that is a couple months away. Yeah, so, I feel we've definitely seen a kind of a fall off of lands with uh, with miracles, just because lands was so you know lands wanted to play in the miracles meta, and I just feel the meta has really turned against lands recently. Something that's worth noting is you're in Baltimore, which is like mm-hmm. a lot of lands players are in that area. So I'm not shocked that there's some lands being represented. I think mm-hmm. we're seeing more than I would have guessed, but I'm not shocked that a couple lands top eight at all. Right. Also, you know, Jarvis Yu is an incredible lands pilot. I, I feel I recognize the name Kevin King. I feel I've seen that name uh, pop up in uh, top eight reports before. Yeah, he's a very and solid for, player. For what it's worth, there was also four lists... Uh, in the top 32 of the Open in uh, Washington at the end of October, but none of them made the top eight. But there were like a, a pretty decent number in the top 32 mm-hmm. for lands, that is. Gotcha. Um, in fourth place, we got Justin Parnell with Sultai Delver. And in fifth place, Bob Huang, Grixis Delver. That's what Making Bob, it happen. He's yeah, on a heater. Yeah, is that third, fourth top eight of a major tournament? Three consecutive in a row. Eternal Weekend, Star City Games, DC, and now this. Wow. That kid's a monster. Keep it up, Bob. Good job. Or slow Um, down. That's fine, too. (laughs) Let someone else enjoy some of the limelight. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, Justin Parnell, also a great... I feel this is a very star-studded top eight. Uh, especially mm. for the legacy side. Well, I feel like with team events, you like you just generally get the strongest teams that get in the top eight, and they're usually super teams. You know what I mean? Like when there's yeah. GP, like when there's GP uh, team events, it's usually like Rito uh, and Huey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Peach Garden Oath and the uh, winning the you know taking down the event. So uh, I think you'll see that a lot pretty frequently when you have these team events. You just have like these star-studded top eights. Nice. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why team events are also so popular. Like, I feel just viewing-wise. Isn't that, like, the best part of Magic is, like, it's kind of, like, the most enjoyable thing is, like, catching up with your friends in between rounds, and now you just get to play rounds with your friends. Like, it's Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome. You're not sitting down next to strangers every single round, which must be kind of nice. Yeah, that too. Um, I also just feel it's important because Magic as a, you know, Magic's trying to be an eSport. And one thing it's really struggled with is really recognizable, uh, you know, players that you want to root for. Like, if you look at some of the other games like League of Legends or Counter-Strike, like, they're fa- there are fans of players who are, like, as fanatic as if they're rock stars. Like, um, a lot of Magic pros are, you know, fairly re- recognizable and, uh, you know, there are definitely people out there who have their pro crushes. Um, uh, but I feel magic players, <laughs> magic, I'm looking at Reed Duke, <laughs> magic players, uh, I feel just haven't really achieved that level. And I think, um, if these team events are something that can promote that, I think that'd be kind of really healthy for magic. Uh, if it's looking to grow as a, you know, a spectator sport. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think part of it also is like, well, I, there's you don't see a lot of faces when you're watching magic coverage. You, you look at like other other esports, you see people's reactions um, when they're playing. You don't see that as much in magic because because what's on the table is so uh, 
You're more focused on gameplay. Exactly, yeah. So you don't see people's faces, which is a little bit unfortunate. Um, in other major sports like you know basketball, your superstars are like the face of your team. That's that's a big part of part of their of their their brand. Their you know their charisma. Um, you don't get that in Magic. So perhaps if that changes around a little bit too, we see more faces uh, from the game. It might might help uh, that kind of image. Yeah, just like recognizable players that people can root for. Um, right. Exactly. You know, it's one thing just looking at like eight random names, and being like, uh, I guess. It's cool. This guy won. But if you have like your favorite player who does well consistently mm-hmm. um, and you can kind of build a fan base around that, I feel that just adds a whole nother level to magic that it that it's kind of lacking right now. Yeah, I feel like they're on the right track doing like having like team jerseys and having these mm-hmm. team events. Also, like just having like actual pro teams that like all, all play together. I, th- I don't know exactly how it breaks down, but there's some kind of some kind of prize for like whichever team has the most like the best match win percentage or whatever, whatever the most, like the most match points at the end of an event is or the end of a season. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to really push that, that team aspect as well, which is probably good for the game. Good for yeah. like the esports side of it, at least. Um, Wilson Hunter was actually saying earlier, um, I don't know if this was half in jest or not, but he was saying, you know, why isn't there a collegiate magic league? Um, like a college. Yeah. I mean, Density of players, like density. No, of as far as probably? like like school teams that play each other, like League of Legends has a collegiate league where teams from different schools travel to each other and play each other in events. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably just a lack of interest, right? I mean, I feel there's a ton of Magic players in college campuses around the country. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, they're the ones who yeah. have the most time. <laughs> when the I was in college, like, like five or six years ago. It's pretty slim pickings. Like I didn't really want to play against the people in my school because I didn't think it'd be worth my time. So I think you'd have to be at a pretty big university to find people that are on a similar play level as you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's the same with like any D1 sport. All the big D1 schools are just huge schools with thousands of players. Yeah, I mean – I just I think we're I don't know I feel like even at like <laughs> I feel like even at like don't be Miami afraid to dream big players, man <laughs> don't be afraid to dream big Pat the, the other issue too is that because there's so many formats there's so many different ways to play magic it's not like football like you play football you play the sport of football there's not really many ways to play it besides <laughs> playing football but you play magic you can like be really into magic but play commander you can be really into magic and play legacy or standard or draft. Like you may not, that might not cross pollinate as much in your, in your, in your campus. And then having to try to find another school to play. It just, it, it seems a bit of a far stretch to me. It'd be, it'd be neat. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I know when I was in college, I had absolutely zero interest in playing any magic. So, you know, I had more important things to do. I, I agree. Man, Jackie, try and try and dream a dream. And the world just crushes you down. Uh, just trying to just trying to breathe a little bit of reality into your life, Jerry. You know. Uh, so, uh, can we go back to the previous topic for a second? Yeah. So, uh, like Star City building up coverage and like seeing players' faces. If you watch their coverage, if someone's going into the tank on a brainstorm, they'll cut screens and show the person thinking, and you get to see some of their facial expressions while they think. Mm-hmm. So that way, you get like some of the texture of their hand, and I think that's one thing they do very well. Yeah. And another thing they do incredibly well is they do build player recognition. And I think yes. one of Star City Games' downfalls, other than cutting legacy support, come on, guys, is <laughs> that they let their big players walk instead of signing them for longer deals like major sports teams would. Like, letting Brian Braun doing go, I think, was a huge mistake on Star City's uh, 
point because he was the face of the franchise, similar with Reed Duke. Anytime these players get too big, Star City doesn't want to pay them to stay, and I think it hurts their brand a little bit. Man, I really I do feel like SCG is like the farm league for the for for like, you know, professional magic in a sense. Um I do feel like their coverage is also kind of going back to what you were saying, Brian, like has been the gold standard of like magic uh coverage for a long time. I think that um, Watsy is getting there, which is funny because like a third party is doing a better <laughs> job covering the game than, than Watsy does itself. But I think I really do think they've made a lot of huge strides um, in coverage for them. Um, but I also think like Star City in general, we've seen as evidenced by cutting legacy support and just continually like cutting back a prize support and uh, making like prize wall ticks a major part of how you can like how to win prizes through through SCG events. Um, it feels like they're always on a shoot a shoestring budget. So maybe they're just maybe like paying people is just not something that they want to do. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I mean, that, I, that's complete speculation, but I just feel like, I mean, they're as a business. I mean, I don't know I, how valuable is Brian Brown. I'm, I'm sure they've done the math on it, but like how valuable is well, BBD to it, them as a business? It's a chicken and the egg situation in order to pay those people, you know, what they're worth. You really need to be pulling in like ad revenue. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I feel that's something that everyone's really failed on is getting uh, ad space paid for. You know, we see ultra pro commercials and we'll see like Card Kingdom. But this is that's like chump change. Like, mm-hmm. where is the, you know, the Sony uh, commercials? Where's, you know, fucking Pepsi, for God's sakes. Language. Come on, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want didn't know you wanted to make this a PG episode, Brian. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Some but, fucking uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> If you get in this, you know, ad revenue, that's how you take it to the next level. You you know, that's how you get the high quality uh, video coverage, uh, you know, with the best talent. Um, and I just feel it's 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 a chicken and the egg situation where you can't get those bigger advertisers without the viewers, but you can't really get the viewers without all, all these things that we've been laying out. So I think Star City has been doing a slightly better job of that, because if you click on the Star City Games link, for the Invitational, you'll see it's sponsored by Chick-fil-A, MTG First. Oh, really? Uh, Cardmonster Games. Like, uh, I looked at what the last week's event, and it was sponsored by the Courtyard Marriott. So they are getting some sponsors that aren't nerd-related, but I think mm-hmm. they could do a lot more. I mean, th- it, you don't get much higher than Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I scrolled too far down. Uh, they also have <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> that was entirely orchestrated by Corbin Hostler, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, so okay, so with that Star City Games is actually doing better than I thought. That is that is uh, pretty cool. Um, rounding off uh, top eight, uh, I'm guessing it is Eldrazi in six. This is actually funny because. And for the sixth place team, Odin Ensman did Colorless Eldrazi, and then Eric Ensman, so I'm guessing their brothers, did Eldrazi Tron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Eldrazi the, brothers. The Colorless Eldrazi list is, like, just more the same that we've seen. I don't see anything too interesting. I mean, two Sorcerer Spyglass in the sideboard. But other than that, it's just uh, it's a very standard stock list. Yeah, I mean, I feel this top eight in general was kind of stock. I didn't see anything yeah. that interesting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jody Keith, another great lands player uh, in eighth place with lands. And did I miss? Oh, actually, it looks like Jeskai Control in seventh no. place. Uh, they oh, no, that's admitted the, the legacy deck. deck list. It was actually Red Black Reanimator with Michael Ferguson. Uh, 
Gotcha. Red, black reanimator. Uh, we, I feel we haven't seen reanimator in a while, but actually uh, we'll get to it. Uh, graveyard decks have been making a comeback. It seems I don't miss reanimator at all. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I don't well, like skillless those... decks. <laughs> you have all those Telemann performances. I do, but I just don't like AV decks that, you know, your six-year-old cousin could play. <laughs> wow! Uh, I'm cutting Brian's feed. <laughs> I tell things the way they are. So uh, let's look at the classic. Yeah, let's take a look uh, at the classic. Jack Kitchen. Uh, first place with Mana Dredge, not Manalus. Uh He's been on a little bit of a tear. He won the Sunday challenge last month with Delver, and I feel like the challenges are actually pretty difficult, so props to him. Nice. So he's also a Delver player, uh, not just a pure dredge player. Uh, he used um, to play a lot of uh, Red White Painter before the banning of top. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, interestingly, so his decks fit pretty stock. Uh, the only interesting thing I like is he's running four breakthrough. Um, that's a card that dredge players will, uh, kind of play with the numbers a bit. That's kind of some of your flex slots, uh, going for breakthrough means he's just going for like a really explosive version of the deck. Well, if you look, he's not playing dread return in his main deck. Yeah. He's no on a return. pure grind game one. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting, actually. And he's not running the, uh, I always forget, the one blue-black 3-3 three, three that returns. Prized Amalgam. Yeah, he's not running the Prized Amalgam. I mean, that's more of a mana list thing, in my opinion, but yeah. Really? Um, I, thought, I thought that I, the mana dreads were running the Prized Amalgam as well. Yeah, because well, cause they're, especially if you're on the grind plan, if your plan is just get repeated Ic- Icarids, uh, Prized Amalgam is exactly what you want. Well, I think in Jack's list that's served by Putrid Imp, which also helps with a little bit of consistency. Right. Yeah. I feel like th- this version of the deck is very much like everything is a four of. The only not four ofs are the two City of Brass, two Cephalid Coliseum. Everything else is a four of. You yeah. know, this is a very refined list, and he is definitely going for that consistency. Uh, he's got Pat's favorite card, Ashen Rider, in the sideboard. <laughs> <laughs> Only one copy, though, so you can't do it twice to his opponent. <laughs> um, other than that, he has the two Dread Return in the sideboard, but the, he doesn't have any... Uh, he has a Iona and Ashen Rider as targets, and other than that, I think guess, guess he just wins by Dread Returning Golgari Grave Troll. I think that's all you really need to do, to be honest. Yeah, well, maybe that, I guess that's combo hate, bringing that back the Iona. Um, I mean, Iona will shut down a lot of decks, uh, but I just feel that, you know, decks can still deal with her, even losing a color. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely awesome seeing Dredge uh, take down an event. I can't remember the last time Dredge won an event, like a legacy event. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute, I think. Yeah. Um, up next, Daniel Miller with Miracles. And this is the portent version of Miracles that we've seen uh, around quite a bit. Running two back-to-basics in the main. Yeah, I really like that. It seems strong in, like, a a field of four-color and three-color decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, it runs enough basics that it doesn't care. Um, I, I really have been toying around with like a blue white control deck with back to basics. Um, it just, it, it's the blue blood moon. Mm -hmm. So I think there's actually something I don't like about this list Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, Dan. Krakus with 20 land seems very like sketchy to me. 
mm-hmm. especially when you're not playing anything like Vendalian Click in your main deck. Uh, I get that there's one in the board, but it doesn't seem like the best land, even with Sneak and Show decks like being somewhat on the rise. Like this new list that the new list without counterbalance, granted Dan's playing two, actually have a much better matchup against Sneak and Show than the old list that relied very heavily on counterbalance. Yeah, and I mean Caracas also doesn't really do much against Sneak and Show because it does nothing against Sneak Attack. All they need is a second red source. And most times, if I'm show-and-telling in against Miracles and I have the time to set it up, I'm show-and-telling in Omniscience and then casting Emmercool. Or even Gristlebrand in Drawing 7. Yeah, it's like, worst-case scenario, it's like I paid 3 to draw 7 or 14 cards. Like, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, on to um, Counterbalance. Yeah. Not a fan. Everyone should just rip them off, throw them right away. <laughs> uh, is there a little bit of a bias I'm detecting? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, other than that, he's got the two counterspell, three predict, two portent. Uh, and he's going with the entreat the angels win condition Two entreat the angels. No monastery mentor. There's two mentors on the board, but I think entreat helps you against the grindy four color decks because they try to hem you out of the game. And one of your best ways of winning the four color pile matchup is just throw haymakers at them. And I mm-hmm. feel like Entreat is that. Yeah. There's no more demoralizing aspect than hemming your opponent down to zero cards and then them miraculizing Entreat the Angels for like four angels. <laughs> I'd agree with that. So something to notice about this list is Dan is choosing Council's Judgment where later on we'll talk about the other Miracles list from the Sunday Challenge, but that list is playing too unexpectedly absent. So it looks like that spot is a flex. And I saw, I believe it was on Twitter, he was saying that unexpectedly absent was very good in the tournament. I think his exact quote was unexpectedly absent was unexpectedly great. Sounds like marketing to me. (laughs) Put it on a hat. (laughs) um other than that we have four grixis delver decks taking third fourth uh, fifth and eighth (laughs) actually no it looks like sixth looks like uh star city games mistyped yeah third fourth sixth and eighth grixis delver all day every day (laughs) so i think these results are slightly skewed granted grixis delver is a very good deck I think it has something to do with the amount of lands players in top eight of the open. So you'll see you have Kevin King, Jarvis, you and Jody, all very good players playing decks that they're very familiar with in the main event. So these aren't people in the side event with, you know, sometimes they're not the strongest players in the classic. I mean, it just happens sometimes, but these Grixis Delver players don't have to play a terrible matchup in lands because it's not in the event. So I think these players naturally had a slight boost to the cream of the crop up top. Right. You know, because these events both took place in the same place at the same time, um, you know, the players were just divided. And yeah, lands is definitely one of the worst matchups for Grixis Delver. So just the fact that three of the best lands players in the room that day were not playing in their events is just huge. Uh, but other than that, I feel these uh, results uh, kind of have a little bit of a feel bad because these are the tournaments people point to and say, look how miserable Legacy is. Everyone's running Deathrite Shaman. And it's like because you see results like these. But, you know, like you said, not always is uh, that the full picture. 
I mean, you could be a nihilist running Eldrazi in taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually love that. I think that deck's fucking great. <laughs> oh man, Eldrazi in taxes. Tim Turner in fifth place. Uh, it runs Big Thalia and Little Thalia, which I oh, love. What I love, it's running two <laughs> Smugglers Copter. We were talking, yeah, we were talking in the uh, Discord channel the other day about how uh, you know someone was wondering, it's like, should I get rid of my Smugglers Copters? And we're like, yeah, they're they're popping up in Merfolk and now in Eldrazian taxes, so <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I've been a fan of the 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 white. <laughs> splash for for uh well i guess it's the eldrazi taxes deck but like the white splash and the eldrazi deck it's just it's just really sweet <laughs> i like the fact that you're playing thalia like baby thalia next to uh reality smasher just something uh, about it feels really good feels really they gross run, <laughs> they run two <laughs> containment priest main oh yeah why and three, three caracas <laughs> uh, <laughs> have fun gerald <laughs> God, I think this deck is cancer. <laughs> I actually, I actually think I might put this together. This looks like too much fun. I, this might be worse than regular death and taxes for the sneak and show matchup because you still have the Phyrexian Revoker and the Thalias, which are such a huge problem. Then they just main board the Containment Priest. <laughs> so, question for you, as a sneak and show player, a lot of lists I see run Cunning Wish for the ability to, you know. Cunning Wish for Kozlok's return. Do you think the Cunning Wish list would be slightly better against this, or is it still just as miserable? No, because like one of the biggest problems with this deck and Death and Taxes and Maverick is the early Thalia. And early Thalia slows you down so much and immediately puts a 10-turn clock on you, which, you know, 10 turns is a lot, but when you're also... <laughs> When you're delayed that a sounds, turn, I know you're. I know you're being earnest, but that sounds so ridiculous. It it's puts not, a ten-turn clock on but, you. But also, just the fact that it's magic it's, to me. I have twenty life, and my opponent has a two-two. <laughs> Can I finish? <laughs> it's the fact that it. Imme- All right, let me rephrase it. Let me give it a, a nice little propaganda spin. It cuts your life total in half. How about that? <laughs> Sure. You have half as much time to live as you thought you did. Oh, that was so good, Jerry. Uh, anyway, the, to round they up the follow top it eight, up. Yeah, so we no. Have Infect in seventh place. No, which hold I on. I think is great. <laughs> uh, Infect isn't a deck that gets a whole lot of recognition and it doesn't top eight all the time, but it's always nice to see there because I think Infect is one of the purest aggro decks in the format. I mean, it runs Berserk and Giant Growths. So it's always nice to see that an aggro deck, like a true aggro deck, is succeeding. Yeah, I, d- I agree with that. So Cunning Wish is worse for Thalia <laughs> <laughs> because you're fighting against the Thalia, one of the biggest problem cards that adds an extra mana onto everything. So now you're Cunning Wishing to find another spell that also counts more. By the time you actually cast it, you're already dead because they followed up that Thalia with some 3 threes and are beating your face. <laughs> Boom. Drop the mic. Episode over. <laughs> Have you so considered saturated. instead playing Burning Wish for Massacre and then Swamps? <laughs> Maybe a couple dark rituals. Uh, little little blue black uh, sneak and show never did no wrong. Uh, JPA actually did pretty well with a blue black list over the summer. Yeah. Uh, the one running, uh, what is it? Uh, he had a bunch of thought seizes. Yeah, which I like just because Thoughtseize being more uh, proactive than Spellpierce, which is a very defensive card. Um, the fact that you can just curve Thoughtseize, like go turn one, Underground Sea, Thoughtseize, turn two, Ancient Tomb, Show and Tell. Uh, like that line of play just feels a whole lot better. 
Yeah, the um, average and, draw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just curving into A plus B, Brian. Uh, so, in fact, who is in eighth place? Uh, Rich Kelly with Grixis Delver. Grixis Delver, more. Did we see anything that interesting out of the Grixis Delver lists? No. Uh, you'll see that a bunch of them are playing 15 threats now. They were playing like between 12 and 13 because a lot of them are trying to get a higher top end with more three drops because that's what wins the mirror. Mm-hmm. And you also see that uh, lists like Rich Kelly's are moving to Spell Pierce, which is like a Bob Huang innovation because it's better in the metagame. Ninth place, I just want to point out, is Punishing Maverick. Looks, we haven't seen that much. Uh, we've been seeing Maverick itself pop up, but I haven't really seen the Punishing variant uh, really come out of the woodwork lately. Uh, so it's nice seeing this. This one's also... This creature package. <laughs> yeah, this creature package. One Birds of Paradise. Three Deathrite Shaman. Okay, that's an interesting split. Four, four, four Night, Four Mother. <laughs> yep, Four Night, Four Mother. I mean, they're great. One Noble Hierarch. <laughs> Two Quasali Pride Mage, one Runamap Excavator, one Scavenging Ooze, one Scrib Ranger, two Stoneforge Mystic, one Gaddic Teague, one Dryad Arbor. I mean, those are all good because they have the Green Sun Zenith package. Um, so I guess he could, like, he can grab the Noble Hierarch when he wants to pump an attacker. He can grab the Deathrite Shaman just most of the time, which is why he's running three. But, you know, if there's a Rest in Peace or something, he has the ability to grab the Birds of Paradise instead uh, so- with the Green Sun. I think the worst thing about this deck list is the mana base. It's just, it's a four color mana base running a bunch of colorless lands. I mean, you have Wastelands, Thespian Stage, Dark Depths, Caracas, and then Bujuka Bog out of the board. Like, granted, those are technically colored sources, but I think the mana with this deck is a little shaky. Yeah, he's definitely leaning very heavily on his mana birds. Um, But other than that, everything looks pretty. F- uh, standard. Yeah, I guess the, the Punishing Fire package is just super greedy with this deck. <laughs> I think something really interesting is the three cyborg crop rotation, because in the creature-based matchups, you can guarantee that you have a Grover the Burn Wells for your Punishing Fires, or you can just combo kill them. Yeah, for sure. Um... Uh, other than that, the rest of the top 16 looks fairly standard. There were two Esper Deathblades, which is pretty cool. I'm checking right now that they're actually asked for Deathblade. Yeah, that's what I'm doing too. (laughs) Uh, Sam Rukas did fairly well with the Esper Mentor Uh, deck, and it was categorized as Esper Deathblade. Uh, Yeah, uh, Lyle Rolfus, 16th place, is not Esper Deathblade. It is Bant Deathblade, or four-color Deathblade. It's running one Hooting Mandrills, three Noble Hierarch. uh, I mean, this is Deathblade. You have three Deathrite Shaman, Stoneforge Mystic. What, Lyle's list? Yeah, this is definitely it, Deathblade. It's running three Noble Hierarch and a Hooting Mandrills. <laughs> One Hooting Mandrills. <laughs> this is definitely Bantblade. Whatever. It's like essentially the Reed Duke list from before he cut white. Yeah. I would Plus one Hooting Mandrills. Uh, one Fatal Push. That's pretty interesting. Just need that one removal spell. Wow, that's his only... Oh, no, he's running... Uh, Swords to plowshares. Yeah. One fatal push, four swords to plowshares. And once again, we have a super greedy mana base running wastelands. Yeah. 20 lands. 
this is why uh, Back to Basics is so good right now. <laughs> All these greedy, <laughs> greedy mana bases. Uh, Blood Moon too. I think being a uh, like a Blood Moon Prison deck, you can get a, so many free wins in this meta. So it's worth noting there isn't a single Blood Moon deck out of the three yeah. events that did well this weekend. I know we haven't covered the challenge yet, but there's no Blood Moons there either. And uh, tears me to pieces, but there's also no Storm being represented. Oh, that's because it's a bad deck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bite my tongue because we're recording, Gerald. (laughs) Okay, Brian. (laughs) So uh, should we cover the challenge? Yeah, let's move on to the challenge. (laughs) Once again, we have Miracles. Miracles! Uh, So much more. Very different deck list, though. Uh, three Monastery Mentor main is a big change. Um, and we, we kind of hinted on it before the unexpectedly absent. Um, what else in, I think this list is a lot cleaner. Yeah. You'll, you'll see the two back to basics are in the sideboard and a lot of the slots are pretty similar. Uh, two predict is a little low. I don't think that's standard anymore, but it looks very clean to me. Yeah. Um, in fourth place, there's another miracles list that is super interesting. Uh, Ayeta Verez. I don't recognize the name. I don't think I've played against them online. Um, they're running miracles, but they're running the two Jace and then also two Gideon ally Zendikar, uh, and also two search for Ascanta, which is very interesting that they're, uh, leaning on that. Um, I've been seeing it in Legacy. Uh, I know Aaron Gazaniga was uh, experimenting with it a lot. Uh, and it's like even some of the Sneak and Show players in the group discussion, they were talking about experimenting with it. Um, I don't think it's very good for combo decks, but just seeing it show up in these control decks is uh, is pretty cool. Uh, have you so, seen any of it? I've played against it. Uh, Anurag Das was testing it when I got paired against him. And I think uh, it's not good against combo. There should be like an asterisk. It's really slow, but if you can yes. manage to slow them down to the point where you can flip it, having an impulse for Force of Will or Flusterstorm is actually very strong because you can't duress it away or Cabal Therapy. So it ends up being somewhat relevant. Yeah. Oh, that is a good point. Um, also, super interesting that he's running two Supreme Will, which is from Amonkhet, two in a blue, choose one, counter target spell unless its controller pays three. Or look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest of the bottom of your library. So it's basically mana uh, mana leak or impulse, but it costs one more. And he's not running any approach to the second sun. That's the standard deck right now, Gerald. Oh, see, I don't, I don't know that. I don't, I don't. Well, I'm on Pirate Stompy. That is my standard. That's what I've decided since Arena starts with Ixalan. I, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to dive in. I'm getting in on the ground floor, getting my Ixalan Jerry, Pirate Pirates just loses real hard to dra- hard to uh, dinosaurs. You know, getting that, right? on my Ixalan. Oh, I also opened like three of those Carnage Tyrants, so I should have made oh, yeah. a dinosaur deck too. <laughs> those are sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, three Broodmate Dragon Dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm jumping on the ground floor, going Ixalan forward, and then I'll be able to know... I'll be able to know these cards by the time, like a year and a half from now when they're standard relevant. <laughs> That's my plan. It's a good plan. Good plan. Great plan. Sure. Great yeah. plan. Not going to argue. <laughs> <laughs> Plead the fifth. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool. The Supreme will. Um, it, it definitely is a toolbox card. Costing three is a lot, though. It's very, very good in standard. I haven't seen it in modern yet. 
but it could be playable there. Yeah. Uh, you get a really, huge upside tacked onto your mana leak. Yeah, exactly. Like that's like early on you can use it as mana leak and late game you can turn it into a impulse. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh as long as you can pay for it. Uh other than that, looks like we had aggro loam in uh fifth place. Uh, I call this four color loam. Okay, naming semantics. <laughs> I mean, Agrolum's a little different. Play stuff like Terravor and well, used to play stuff no, like Terravor. That is like circa two thousand and nine, right there. Uh, there's also another copy with Matt Soul in eleventh, and they oh, look really? very, very similar. He he also top uh, top eighted the previous challenge. I think he came in fourth place the previous week in the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a fairly stock list. Uh, the three Liliana, uh, I guess they've ticked up. I, I have like kind of two in the list. Uh, but other than that, you know, just pretty stock list. Uh, can put up results. I think we saw a couple at uh, Eternal Weekend as well. Uh, There's some spice in his sideboard. Johnny Vengeant. Yeah. Um, Agro Loam slash Four Color Loam. Uh, has kind of played around with a couple cards in that slot. They also were doing uh, the Flip Garrick, um, Crozen, uh, Verger, the Centaur that you know comes to play with plus one, plus one is equal to lands in all graveyards. Uh, Titania, my personal preference. But uh, yeah, the Johnny Vengeance is pretty cool. And he ain't no scrub running the Tabernacle as well. <laughs> They're a lot cheaper online. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, got another Eldrazi list in sixth place. Are we seeing an Eldrazi resurgence? What's going on? It, it seems to be on um, definitely on the upswing, but we all know how like how long that will last. Um, any decks that are attacking like the mana bases of the four color and three color decks uh, will just eat up the Eldrazi decks because they Eldrazi like doesn't fold to wasteland, but it's pretty it's pretty rough to get wasteland in the Eldrazi deck. So. Um, or just like Blood Moon or Back to Basics or anything like that. Um, it's really hard for that deck to come back from. So um, right now, if, if if they're not being targeted by those decks, they they will be soon. So uh, One thing to point out is that Pathy, the last couple of times I faced him, was on the Eldrazi Ramp deck. It looks like he's gone back to the aggro list. But it's also interesting that he's only playing two Endless 1. Uh, the Eldrazi Ramp deck is in like, uh, into like, as like Mud. Uh, running like uh, Quad Post and Vesuva yeah. and all that into much larger Aldrazi. Yeah, Pathy is yeah. now back to the aggro lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm curious why he's only running two endless one. I, I guess it's making room for the walking ballista or Simian Spirit that. Guides. No, the Simian Spirit Guides are generally in that list. Um, okay, just because you're trying to, you're you're just using him as a, essentially a free ramp spell. Um, but. You usually see like two or three in the Eldrazi list, but the Ballista is something that you don't see very often. So I'm curious if that's why, um, if that's what he's making room for. I I, uh, I don't know how much I like that to be honest, but because it's a little, just a little bit more man intensive than than the endless ones. But um, be curious to see if it's something that's gonna continue going forward or not. Yeah. Uh, seventh place, we got. One and only, not my favorite, but I guess it'll do. Omni Show uh, with two copies of Cunning Wish. Very light on the Cunning Wish. Like this is almost like a hybrid of the hybrid <laughs> uh, Omni Show Cunning Wish deck. 
Um, and I want to point out he is doing the correct action of not running Leyline of Sanctity. Uh, so good job, Escuro. Good job. <laughs> is it really fair to call this Omni Show? That's the thing. It's like it's a, like a hybrid of a hybrid because I feel like this is just Sneak and Show running Omniscience. No, Sneak and Show runs Omniscience. Like Omniscience is standard in Sneak and Show these days. Basically, the big differential between Sneak and Show and Omni Show is the presence of Cunning Wish. But he's only running two Cunning Wish. Um, so like it's it's like even halfway between the halfway deck. Yeah, but like if he's running, if he's also running Intuition, I feel like that's that's your. That's your cutting wish deck, right? Yeah, and a big thing, too, is he's not running an instant speed win condition in the sideboard. He's literally just using cunning wish as a toolbox piece. Yeah. Um, you know, to grab, uh, you know, the car, the through the breach or echoing truth or pyroblast or uh, even an intuition. Um, so it, it's a very interesting list, um, kind of doing something we haven't really seen other lists, uh, do he's kind of, kind of thread the needle. It feels like, mm, yeah, so much innovation, so much in it. Like, uh, it's honestly, Brian, it's the lines are innumerable. <laughs> Show and tell is the hardest part of the deck, right, Jerry? <laughs> it is the hardest part of the deck. Look at all the things that they could do. Once you get an omniscience into play and then you have, and then you have. It's way harder than any smart Delver deck. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, but it's it's cool. I like it. I might try this out. If anything would get me to play Cunning Wish, it would be something like this. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. <laughs> I'm just. I'll never run the four Cunning Wish instant speed win package just because it's so clunky, and I don't. I hate losing to Thalia. <laughs> so uh, the eighth place list, uh, QB Turtle. He's actually the person I've played against the most online. Uh, his list is just blue red Delver with Stifles and Wastelands. Oh, interesting. I like it. Uh, you'll see there's some spice in the board and Electrolyze and a Pia and Kira Nilar. Ooh. Oh, I've seen the Electrolyze once or twice in, in blue red lists, but I don't think I've seen Pia and Kira Nilar. I'm yeah. curious how often he's going to pl- pay four it, mana to play greedy. that card. seems <laughs> greedy. Um, 18 lands? With four, with four wastelands? Like, mm, it's a very yeah. late game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe that's like... I'm trying to think of But I when. feel any any time you want to go that late, like Pia and Kira, Kira and Nalar are not going to dig you out of the hole that you're in if you're at a point where you're hard casting it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking at this and I'm trying to figure out when, like if you're in a really grindy game, is a 2-2 with two 1-1 flyers going to get you there? I don't know. I'd... Probably not. Like it seems yeah. like you'd want it for a deck like Miracles, but Miracles has clean answers. Right. Yeah. Decks like this, I always wish that Blood Moon would work, but it's just it doesn't quite work with the Stifle Wasteland package. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it's also like a little bit too slow for like Blue Red Delver. I, I in general because it's not like you're going like one mana, two mana, three mana. Like you're not going to hit your first three land drops necessarily. Well, this is more like Grixis Delver without a color. Yeah, yeah, I uh, agree with that for sure. He does pretty well. He top-aided the challenge that I won last month. I don't play in all of them, so I don't know if he's top-aided any in between, but he's a very solid player. Mm-hmm. Oh, ninth place is actually very similar to the bug list I've been running, except it splashes red for lightning bolt instead of fatal push. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Forger Mag Angler. It's very good in the mirror. Yeah, and he's running three Thought Scour in order to power those out. Uh, I love he's running the Stifle Wasteland Days package. I, I, like when I'm playing fair magic, that's just what I want to do. I, I, yeah, I, cra- I crave pretty, it. It just feels so sweet. good. <laughs> and definitely all in on the, uh, the death, uh, the, sorry, the Gurmag angler package running three thought scour in the main as well. Anytime that I see this, I can't help but think of Dylan Donegan because he was doing this like two months ago, preparing for an event online. And that's like when turbo, I first saw it. Turbo angler decks. Yeah. We have another Eldrazi in 10th place, but this is the ramp version that I was talking about. Yeah, this is like the... Four Ugin. Jeez. I opened up an Ugin out of one of those free... (laughs) Is this uh... a modern deck? Emrakul, the promised (laughs) end? (laughs) I opened up an Ugin out of one of those free packs you get from Moto for playing five leagues a month. Mm -hmm. And I opened up an Ugin, and I was really pumped. I'm like, finally, I've opened up something worth money online. I go to redeem it, and it's worth 48 cents. Uh, I I have a feeling nothing online is worth anything. Like, anytime I get a card, it's less than a ticket. Prices are super concentrated online. Like, you can build 95% of most legacy decks for dirt cheap, and it's that last 5% that are going to cost you the most, that are going to have the most stores of value. Cards like uh, Wasteland, True Name Nemesis, Force of Will, uh, the Zendikar, Fetchlands, like, those are the ones that are all, like, $30, 40 $50 in value each. And then, like, everything else is, like, pennies on the dollar. Uh, also, two Ulamog and two Kozilek, the Great Distortion, and Ulamog Ceaseless Hunger. Man, this, that deck seems super fun, if nothing else. <laughs> this is the type of deck I would like to tell him in performance and pray I don't hit Thought Not Seer. <laughs> yes, yeah, so many good targets. Uh, 11th place, uh, another aggro loam we mentioned. You're just dying to get to that sneak and chill list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, how far can I go without them noticing? Oh, uh, yeah. Ziggy Stardust, uh, unfortunately, making the incorrect call of four Leyline and Sanctity. I mean, this is Magic Online, so I'll give him that. It is probably. Like, I can see running Leyline of Sanctity on Magic Online just because of all the storm on there. But yeah. we haven't seen any storm at all in any of these events. So in I don't the paper think. Paper events, you mean? In the paper in the, well, even in this, we haven't seen any storm in this uh, top eight. Oh, uh, yeah. That's in the true. top 12. Um, I, I don't think you need it. Like, the fact that you're using four sideboard slots for one matchup, granted oh my a very. God, Jerry, I can't hear you. It also comes in against no the one four wants color to hear this argument again. Oh my God, I just. It... <laughs> like, are you not boarding in Leyline against the deck with four Hemnotorok? No, because it. Re- what? Yes, because it reduces your consistency of your deck so you're doing the job Jerry, for them. But, the, but Sneak and Show gets. They're dick pushed in with hand disruption. <laughs> Whoa, you know what, what happened to Brian's PG rating? <laughs> I really saying. do think you should be boarding in Leyline in that matchup. But yeah, also, oh, pot calling the kettle black on this one, like you're knocking Leyline a sanctity, you boarded in Thorn of Amethyst against me. <laughs> that was when like, me and Pat were trying things out. <laughs> we quickly realized that that was not a sufficient option. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with trying things out in a friendly league or two. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I just like percentage wise, because you're using up four slots in your sideboard. 
um, that you can allocate to other matchups to make them better. Uh, you know, you're, it comes out to 26% of your sideboard for a deck that's maybe making up maybe 5% of the fields. And even counting the him decks, if you can make that argument to board them in, like we haven't really been seeing the him versions of the deck pop up all that often either. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of the stifled days variations. Um, well, the himless are more four color pile. Like the pile lists aren't playing stifle waste. Right. And we're not really seeing that much four color uh, pile. We're mostly seeing the four color Delver variants. That's true. And Leyline is real bad against the Delvers because you either are forced to make bad mulligan decisions where you open up a hand and it doesn't have Leyline. And you think to yourself, oh, well, now I have four dead cards in my deck. Do I mulligan and try and hit Leyline? No. Or you have uh, Leyline, but it's a subpar hand because one of your cards is just freaking dead. And now you're forced to keep this bad hand because it has the Leyline. You're just you're making your deck worse and less consistent, and that's something you can't afford against these aggressive Delver decks. To right, I'm take off, I'm uh, Jerry <laughs> off of his soapbox for a second, you'll see in twentieth place since we're going all the way down. Uh, you'll see it's exactly uh, Jack Kitchen's first place list from the uh, Can't Speak English from the classic. The uh, oh, the dredge list. Yeah, is... card for card. Is Cronman87 uh, Jack Kitchen? Did we find his secret identity? I have his identity, but that is not him. I can look <laughs> it up on my spreadsheet. <laughs> Brian Brian keeps tabs on everyone. I feel I Brian do. is like I feel you're like a villain in a season of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> where he like busts in and you just have an entire room with various legacy players pictures on the wall with like pieces of yarn going from one to the other with you know thumbtacked. That's what that's what I'm picturing your living room is like. How close Don't am judge I? me. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yes. Uh, anything else we saw uh, from the challenge that was noteworthy? Jack Kitchen is utly 26. You've been <laughs> spoiled, Jack. <laughs> just just outing him right then and there. Yeah, because fuck Chase Utley. Guy's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he slid into Ruben Tejada's leg. Took him out of the World Series. <laughs> Are you talking about baseball? Yeah. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Uh, let's see. So what else we got? Anything? I mean, that pretty much takes care of the challenge. Uh, I guess. Do we want to get into scoops, gentlemen? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, who do you want to scoop into top eight this week, Bryant? Gerald. Aww. Aww. For inviting me back. That's the only top eight that kid's making. (laughs) (laughs) At least I won't have to worry about prize splits. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Whoa, there's a T on the end of my name. I said the Come T. On. He's from Boston. You can't listen to the way he talks. It's not Chains of Mephistopheles. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm with Pat on this one. <laughs> I say the T. How about you, Jerry? Who are you scooping in this week, buddy? I'm going to scoop in Brian T. thanks for coming on buddy thanks for having me back yeah and that's all the scoops we have time for tonight that's fine i I don't have any scoops this week i'll scoop in i'll scoop in all the people on our patreon all the people who are in our discord as well uh that chat is always really fun to uh to hang out in for sure and like just the the leaving legacy facebook page is also just a really great legacy community if If you you like to uh, troll 
If you <laughs> if you're good at trolling, it's a lot of fun. Otherwise, there's a couple. I literally, others. I had to message Bryant the other day. I had to send him a warning. I'm like, stop, <laughs> stop riling people up. I don't want to get angry emails. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but no, the group's been the group's been great. It's it, we're almost at almost a thousand people in the group. Uh, it's it's generally pretty simple, and I agree. There's there's a good amount of trolling that goes on, but it's usually it, we try to keep it between people who actually know each other, like in real life, like so you're not getting you're not getting trolled by people who you've never met before. So we, we try to keep it pretty civil. Um, I think it's a good community. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I appreciate that. I, I think it's uh it's full of people that are just just enjoy legacy, and we have a great mod team that does a good job of kicking out people who uh, are just douchebags. So. Yeah, I don't know how they've missed Bryant all this time. <laughs> wow. I think he's bribing Lawrence. <laughs> I will not comment on that. <laughs> Plead the fifth. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Brian, before we get out of here, um, I know you have uh, your website. I mean, can you plug your website here and let people know where they can find you uh, if you stream or uh, you know on Twitter, things like that? TheEpicStorm.com if you want to learn about a tier four combo deck in Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's real hard beating out a uh, sneak and show and you know reanimator. I know Bryant. <laughs> uh, any anywhere else? Nope, that's it. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Do you ever do you ever stream, Bryant? Uh, I don't very often. Uh, my issue with streaming is like ghosting is a very real thing, and I've noticed that my one percentage when I stream is a lot lower. Are you and enjoying look- the stream, Bryant? <laughs> I honestly was not ghosting him, but I find it very funny that he flipped out. Uh, my favorite part is when he lifts his hands up in the air and he's like, for fuck's sake. I think that's the best part. Uh, we're referring to Jeff Hoogland, by the way. But uh, so there's like two difficult things about streaming is like one, you have to pay attention to your match. But also mm. a lot of people get upset if you're not very active with the chat box. And it's yeah. very tough to do both while focusing. Yes. Oh, totally. totally it's totally. pretty easy when you play Sneak and Show. I mean, I just feel the extra, you know, mental uh, energy really keeps me sharp and focused. It's. It, I I agree with you, Brian. Like, it, streaming is is like playing Magic in general. I find to be not like stressful and not taxing, but it's definitely like you're not just passively playing a game. You know what I mean? And streaming, it just makes that it just ups ups that that kind of that level of having to be engaged with this, with the game and. Um, it can it can be very taxing on you, you know, for sure. Yeah, it's probably what... a lot easier when you're playing a deck that only has to count to three or four. But <laughs> instead of all the way up to ten, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm excited for Arena. When Arena goes live, I'm going to start streaming Arena because that game plays itself. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you're playing Magic a lot Jerry of likes to play. Frust- frustratingly so. I I probably would play more standard if that's all they offer. But I just like the gameplay that much that I'd be willing to do it. But it was super frustrating. There would be so many times. It was like it was purposely tapping the wrong mana to cast my spells i would get so frustrated it's like oh you have a bunch of other colored spells in your hand that you could use these islands and swamp with so instead of tapping your colorless sources let's tap these islands and swamps instead and just use them as colorless mana like without fail (laughs) all right my mini rant (laughs) so angry but yeah uh i'm gonna start streaming when arena comes out um um uh that's one of the reasons why i'm excited for it cool awesome nice uh ugh. you're gonna do this, this, this. 
<sighs> What's wrong, Pat? Song game? Yeah, we can I hate the song, song game so much. Well, I don't know why you hate the can song game. Can we for game? once play Eddie Money Take Me Home tonight? Let's just do it right now. <laughs> it's a great song. It's probably the greatest karaoke song of all time. Just hit play. Uh, That's all you have to do. For our listeners, before the episode started, me and Bryant were talking about uh, the Space Jam soundtrack. Uh, and also, <laughs> what was what, what was the track you were listening to? The, the Yeezy? Blame with... Game by Yeezy, yeah. a.k.a. Kanye West. It has Chris Rock rapping over John Legend in the end, and it's great. Uh, those are songs we're not going to play tonight. Uh, you I'm, got lock, the, I'm locking this thread. You you can't lock the thread; it's pinned. I I can I can stop commenting. No, people love the game, Pat. You no, can't. They don't. Yes, they, just they love do. The fact that I hate it. That's all it is. <laughs> That's a very narcissistic thing to say, Pat. There, listen, there's 67 songs on here. That means 67 more episodes, at least, until this is over. That's too many for hopefully me to bear, we'll never. Hopefully, we'll never run every, out. Every time I, like... I have to like look up these fucking songs. I got to get them in YouTube. I got to make sure that they play all the way through. I got to make sure there's no fucking ads. Then I got to transfer them. I got to make them in MP3s. Then I got to load them on the, on the fucking thing. Then I got to sync the fucking tracks. It's terrible, Jerry. I hate this game. Oh, well, why don't uh, we just ask people to link YouTube to it? You know, find a good link YouTube link. That, that sounds like it'll solve your problem. That's called Well, before compromise. you locked it. I just posted four times, so you should probably listen to what I said. <laughs> uh, excellent. <laughs> uh, I rolled the dice pad. Are you ready for it? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's number seven. That is not Eddie Money. Uh, it is our friend Lawrence Harmon, Pisces by Ginger. <laughs> I don't know what that is. All right, Lawrence. See, now you can just you can just message Lawrence and ask him to send you a good YouTube quality. That's like again, another step I don't want to have to take. I want to like when the episode's <laughs> over, I want to just end it. Silence. Done. End of episode. Well, you had to drown out Jerry's laugh somehow. <laughs> I've told I have a very characteristic laugh. Uh it's unique. It would be your easy mother to tell you, you that, out of a Gerald. No, I was I was actually in a comedy club and they were taping the set and they actually asked me to move to the front by the microphone so they could get my laugh like in the audience laugh track. That's weird. <laughs> this is a one hundred percent true story. <laughs> the comedy club in the Hong Kong in uh, Hong Kong in Harvard Square. Great place. Check it out. <laughs> Tip your waitress. <laughs> Uh, all right, I have a Pat. tip for you, Jerry. Yeah? Don't play Sneak and Show. <laughs> I'm actually debating. I'm debating there's a 1K on Saturday, and I might just play uh, Bug Delver. Though I might actually try that four Gurmeg Angler list. That looks spicy. I'd like that. I think that's a really interesting play. Yeah, I don't know if I want to splash the red, though, for the Lightning Bolts. I feel that's just like unnecessarily greedy. I don't Gold know, like good. you gain sideboard options, you get like blasts against J stacks, and you're a tempo deck, so having a lightning bolt gives you reach. I think it's fine. Yeah, I just, I just we, all, we said how greedy all the mana bases are, and how good, you know, Blood Moon and uh, Back to Basics are. Hey, you, can still, you can still cast your, your lightning bolts if someone Blood Moons you. You're fine. <laughs> I guess that's that's true, Pat. You always look on the right side. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Pat, play us out with something sweet. <laughs> 